0: A lot of what we are asking of our people is just to be human. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture, but this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today's episode is very different from anything I've recorded up until now, and I'm really excited to share it with you. It's longer, and it's longer because I'm going to be joined by a guest. I've been searching for people who I think are doing exceptional things, because I want in this series on cultural excellence for you to hear from others who are really doing this and doing it extremely well. My guest today is James Pryor, who's the global head of leadership development in Novartis, a pharmaceutical company based in Switzerland. And I'm going to be interviewing him about what his company is doing to truly embed learning, curiosity and and a growth mindset in all leaders at Novartis. It's a very ambitious project that they've got going on there. And the work is based on a belief that adults do and must and can continue to develop. Vertical development is a technical term that James will cover in more depth. And in doing so, open up the possibility of just being human talking about mistakes, being open about themselves to others, and above all, building a practice of self-reflection, which becomes a foundation to being better leaders. And all of that in the interests of building the right culture, building the right outcomes for their patients, building the right business results. So, James, so pleased that you've been able to join us on this week's episode and really looking forward to hearing about what you're doing in Novartis in terms of the the bigger picture of changing culture, and then particularly, of course, what you've been doing uh, in the leadership development space, which, of course, is your role. So maybe we could start. Just tell me a little bit about the overall picture about what Novartis is doing in terms of creating this change, and then we'll go on to some of the
1: the deeper things
0: I'm fascinated in.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the invite, Carolyn. It's it's great to join you and have this opportunity to share what is a truly interesting and exciting journey. We often, many organizations talk about culture change as you well know it being at the heart of this but this really is a true end-to-end culture change in the terms of not just you know something that's an archetype in banners and everything it's the true articulation of a deep behavioral change within the organization of our people and our leaders and associates across the whole organization so what do i mean by that well Novartis, like many organizations and especially magnified, I guess, from the world that we now live in with COVID, has faced some challenges over the last few years. The ability to truly reimagine itself, as we call reimagine medicine in in the world of pharma, is paramount. We have to reinvent the organization. One from just creating pills and tablets is long gone, right? Gene therapy is amongst us. The ability to manipulate, you know, and support cancer patients in a different way. All of those things are paramount if we're going to survive in an ever-changing world. Now, what was very evident when Vaz, our CEO, took over is that we had the magic ingredients, but something was missing. So we had a brilliant pipeline. We had the biggest and brightest people in the organization. You know, we attracted great minds into the business, but there was just something missing, that that magic ingredient. And um, Vaz took, undertook a journey of looking at our culture and what was really paralyzing us and the ability to move forward. And what became very apparent was, that we're really the problem. We're getting the way of ourselves. The ability to try and control everything in a world of complexity doesn't work anymore. To free up an organization to truly think through problems is what was needed. And that really kind of started the journey of what we call our cultural aspiration and also the leaders we want of really being inspired, curious, and unbossed. And of course, that's an interesting notion in itself because just the words, they, you know—we, lots of organizations could relate to that. But what did Unboss mean? Well, we could have used empowerment, but Unboss for us was really about changing us as, as people, as leaders, as associates within the organization. To truly do that, it's a real change. And, and so the journey that we started within Novartis was that there's no organizational change, only individual change.
0: Yeah, I wanted to really hear more about that because that's a fascinating idea.
1: Yeah, because I think if you think of our aspiration of reimagining medicine to really support the at the end of the day, patients to extend their lives or feel better, but really, you know, that's our, that's what we need to do, right? That's what a pharmaceutical company is about. To really do that, is not about systems and processes that's part of it it's not about new campus or symbols of you know status it's or you know new technology it's bigger than that right because all of those things have a person in the middle of them and really to really really imagine reimagine a, a different space and a different world we really had to change individually, all of us. And as a collective by all of us, that incremental change we make in our lives as leaders, the only way you can truly reimagine something is to reimagine yourself and operate differently, expand your mind and your heart, to be a different person in a different space, to truly unboss the organization, and that's where the unboss piece came from, because we have to unboss ourselves in the first place, to unboss our teams and the people around us, to think differently, to listen differently, to be different, and that was really what this was about.
0: Mm. I'm smiling actually. You, uh, you can't see me smiling because we're not on video, <laughs> but because because what I'm hearing you describe there is is a, a real process of personal growth or adult development and, yes. and that that idea that adults can grow and change so that i mean tell us more about that philosophy i mean you know i know that you believe it and you know that i believe it but i'm curious about how you've managed to do that at scale
1: yeah and and that's you know and we're still early in our journey and i think um I think there was a there was a piece of underlining our journey of of true adult development or vertical development which is growing in popularity right now all over LinkedIn and the need for us of an expansive mind and an expansive heart to see different perspectives. I think we got trapped many years ago in the leadership development space with this this feeling that if we poured skills and capabilities into someone they would change, right? Apply more theory and content, you know, kind of describe what a great leader looks like, support them in, you know, in programs and interventions. And I think we were beginning to kid ourselves. That was great for a world that was about teaching people to solve problems in a complicated space. And that's still needed. But our world's fundamentally different. We only have to look out the window today, Carolyn. We see that we're all at home, right? (laughs) We would have normally have done this (laughs) face-to-face, right? And the world of complexity is just growing and growing. There's more, you know, it's about the decision you make. It's about how you manage that polarity. There's as much data to go one way as the other way now. How do do you keep a, a system in check? How do you hold polarity lightly? That's not through skills and capabilities and, and our metaphor of pouring those in a glass, but it's about how do you make the glass bigger? How do you allow leaders to truly see a different perspective? How do you stop them arguing in the space of complexity basically with themselves, trying to prove that their answer is better than someone else's? That's all fascinating because in the space of complexity, we end up arguing with ourselves trying to prove something that isn't really true because the other argument is just as big as your argument. So, and, but, but we don't see that. We don't naturally see that as, as humans. So we looked at this and thought, if we're really going to go back to what I said about reimagine medicine, we had to look at how we really, in layman's terms, ask the organization to unlearn, to really focus in on the assumptions they hold. The things that keep them trapped in an old world and those assumptions were true in a different space and time, but they're not true and necessarily true in a new world. And so in the space of adult development, you know, there's a number of models in this space, Bill Tolbert, Bob Keegan, etc., It wasn't about really for us, you know, we we fell into a trap of, did we need to educate everyone about adult development? Well, no, what you needed to create was the space to see things differently. And the only way you can do that is really go back to understand me, the assumptions I hold. Why do I feel I have to have the right answer? Why can't I give feedback? What's the fear of being asking a question there? If I see something, what's holding me back? And so our journey was one really of taking people really back to the assumptions they're holding, to be more human in a space, to really look at themselves more with compassion about themselves and compassion in the space that they hold. It was about the ability for leaders to really adapt in complexity. And so that's the journey. And it's, ever, it, it's, it's really interesting because there's often this notion that leadership is a continuous journey. But why do we then start a program and finish a program? So we abolished all of our programs within the organization and we started on something that was about starting people at the fundamental basics of understanding themselves, true self-awareness. For me to see my, in Robert Keegan's word, how my own immunity right in front of my face, the assumptions I'm holding, the fears that I have, and then create spaces of practice for them with their teams and, and their colleagues and their peers to really understand and unpick those, to get really robust feedback, to get data that actually links to the work they're doing. And by creating those spaces, we're beginning to see the results. And actually in COVID, I think our organisation you know, suffered as, you know, some challenging times like we all have, but we know that leaders are asking different questions in that space to they would of three or four years ago. We're seeing our, our 360 data and our engagement surveys hold true even in the times of COVID and the situation we find ourselves in because they're asking different questions of themselves and their teams.
0: And what fascinates me about what you're doing is that you're doing it to scale is one particular thing. And therefore, to some extent, everybody is having a chance to do that. You know, my personal background, and I think yours as well, has been originally was, you know, people would choose to come on something. You you make that choice of saying, okay, now I want to go on some personal development journey. But what you're doing is you're offering to everybody, including people who perhaps might not have thought to do that if they'd been left on their own devices. So what's been the take-up, what's been the range of response to this opportunity?
1: Yeah, we started this journey, 18 months ago and we did start in the classic what I and that's my words the classic form of we'll start at the top of the organization sponsored by the CEO that was ambitious in itself 350 senior executives going through a deep transformational program that had a number of components to it it was mandated by the VAS and sponsored by VAS at the time And that was interesting. That was really, we saw that as a brilliant experiment over how do you, you know, do you mandate someone that everyone should go on it or do you create a climate and atmosphere that people want to go on it? What was fascinating is the first couple of cohorts, people, there was that expectation still of well the CEO says, so I will go, which all organizations have. But that soon turned into an energy and an enthusiasm of seeing leaders come back differently and then that created the energy for people to lean in so the words of you know kind of mandate disappeared it was that everyone wanted to be part of it so just to give you some context we started with 350 in our old leadership development programs not just you know we touch a fair you know 1000 people a year I most mean, probably through different interventions in the organizations often through a nomination process talent perspective, we'll touch nearly five thousand leaders this year, even in times of COVID, because of the energy that we've created about creating space and tools to help you be better in an ever changing climate. Now we all want to be better, and we're not saying the old world you know, the old world was bad and the new world of LD is good. It's just different and that we have to be different in a different space. And actually the other big piece of this for us is around how do you create energy through community? How do you create a different space in your communication channels? How do you create space for leaders to tell their stories of not just where they've won and been successful with their practice, but where they've fallen over and what have they learned? Where have they failed in their practice? Where have they made mistakes in their practice? Where have they fallen into the traps of the assumptions they still hold? And they're willing to speak about that. Yeah, they are. And, and it's fascinating because I think a lot of what we're asking, you know, of our associates within Novartis is just to be human, to stop feeling that, you know, we create this beautiful picture of perfection and I have to be something. But we're contextually banned anyway by the the environment we're in. And we're all messy as human beings. No one's perfect. And what we've offered to the, you know, and I'm incredibly humbled, gifted, and privileged to have a CEO that truly believes this. But he's given us a gift to be human, to actually be true truly really open and honest about where we are, that we don't have all of the answers, that we need to learn together. We need to truly collaborate. But that's hard. Some days we'll see leaders who really lean in and the next day they kind of go and they tighten up as the pressure gets. But what through this work we're beginning to see, and it's a, it's a continuous journey, but we're also seeing leaders that are then one day, like I said, they tighten up, but very quickly they're reflecting on what's gone, ah, oh, I've done it again. Right, and they're being open with their team. I've, I've slipped over here. And this is about 200% accountability, as we call it in Novartis. I have 100% accountability of me changing, and my team have 100% accountability of keeping me honest to my practice. And then they have 100% accountability to work their practice and their teams. So it's a magnifying effect through this work. And you can only do that through creating different spaces of dialogue. Now, can I get specific about sales results? I can't yet. That would be ultimately, you know, the next part of our ambition. But it's bigger than sales results. It's also the feeling in the team. It's the outcome of the work. It's not just the activity. You know, there's a number of factors. It's people, it's the anecdotal sense-making that we're getting of the change of language we're beginning to see in the organization. I'm really conscious I also paint this beautiful picture, but it's tough, right? You take two steps forward, three back, two forward. That's the nature of being human, and that's also important in this work. Otherwise, you just create this beautiful picture of everything's great, but it's a balance. It sounds incredibly exciting
0: <laughs> listening to it, yes.
1: and it, And it is, but it's a constant work in progress.
0: So what would you advise people who... Have started their journey or you know are certainly on on a journey of changing their culture, who maybe feel they haven't yet got that vertical development or personal growth piece really happening, and are wondering how they would get started on that and what what are the pitfalls that you had?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And that's something we're reviewing because you have to be in this work. You truly have to see it as the first piece of advice, I would say, is you have to see through things through the lens of experimentation. Anything you do in this space, you have to see You know, what's the hypothesis, what's the experimental condition, the variables that could be in there and see and look at the data and pose new questions into the, the data that's coming back at you so if you go big bang it's never going to work if you start small and build and learn and be willing to flex and pivot at the right moments it's going to be more accommodating for the organization yeah. Yeah. it's also hugely important to paint the picture that actually everything that's gone on before wasn't bad right it's just different The world is just different you know the experience that all of our leaders and associates have for the last number of years either in Novartis or any other organization it wasn't bad and we're now painting this beautiful picture that you've done everything wrong it's not about that the world is just different and actually that we know as adults we don't naturally straddle those two spheres but that's hard right for all of us because that means redefining value and that's a bigger journey. that's really the ultimate success. Can we see leaders that redefine themselves differently in this space? and that will take time.
0: And I guess I was thinking the way you're describing it there that the the very process of going through a journey like this will change your worldview and will therefore also change your worldview on how to continue a process like this, if that makes sense. So as you're growing as one of the person who's actually designed by like the architect of this, I would imagine you're developing your thinking as you grow?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I think, you know, leading on to the pitfalls, one is be careful you don't paint a picture that this is better than what was before. So that's first, think through an experimental lens. We've been through our LD team. We've we've been through a journey ourselves. We have to role model and practice the experience we have or that we would want to create of others you know it's not just now about creating a program or an intervention for a group of leaders it's about you holding a different space and asking different questions in it it's about actually you know not just kind of the architecture of a program it's about facilitating in that space and leaving the leader in a different place than you found them you know and different doesn't mean good or bad it's just different in a thought process the other thing that you have to remember is theory doesn't change behavior <laughs> And we, we got trapped and we can get trapped very quickly is that we have to know everything there is to know about adult development, as I said at the beginning, and teach everyone that you don't, right? Because we're talking if if you're talking about mass expansion and having a system in continuous change and growth, you need to really be solid on your foundation. The context of why, why have we taken this journey? What's in it for them? You know, the classic thing of them experiencing something new, a trigger that they need to change. And then there's the person. What's my part in it? What's the immunity I hold? And then be rigorous with the practice. It's more important to structure the practice and be focused on the practice than the theory and the content. Behaviour doesn't change by talking. Change Change happens through the action that you take, and that's in the practice fields of everyday work. That's the harder piece. Telling the story and the context is easy in many ways. The practice is hard and we're all responsible. It goes back to my point. There's no such thing as organizational change, only individual change. We, I can't, it's the is I can take the horse to water, I can't make it drink, but I can set the conditions that allows people to practice in a safe way that's part of our role now and that's a big shift for an ld function that was used to designing beautiful programs
0: <laughs> i bet and that, that probably leads me on to the final question i wanted to ask you which was more of a personal one you know, what's this been for you
1: this has been excitement um a kind of fear you know, every day I have to do my own practice. I have my own immunity map. I'm not any different to anyone else, right, in the in the organization or outside. I have my own faux pas. I find myself trapped, you know, because I love the theory. I love the content. I love all of those bits that, you know, we've spoken about in the past, yeah. Carolyn, yeah. you know, and, and it's super exciting for me and most probably, and a lot of the time it's super exciting for my team, but it's not helpful for the organization sometimes. And, you know, I get trapped in, in my own, you know, space of, well, we, we need to do this. And what if we don't do that? And you have, to, you, have to be, you have to be constantly working. You have to hold a space of different questions. You have to be single-minded and focused in this work. And, and that, that's difficult because you have an incredibly bright, successful organization that you're trying to help on a journey to continue that, but be different as well, right? Hold on to some of the piece that makes us brilliantly successful, but add to that through the flexibility of me in a different context. And that's re- that, that means I have to constantly practice. So I have good days where I feel this is magical. And then I have days of, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs>
0: Oh God, I'm so pleased that I asked you to um, to to speak with us, and and I feel like I'm learning so much. I, I knew you were doing some amazing stuff, but to hear you actually describe it, incredibly exciting, and and has to be leading edge, and we haven't talked about. You know, what it will eventually, I mean, you've talked a little bit about what it will eventually do to the organization and the impact it must be having on, on a whole range of things, your employee value proposition and so on. But thank you so much for My pleasure. sharing and sharing about yourself as well, James, and um, wish you every success with it. Thank you. So personal growth, what does that mean for you? And what's your personal practice, to use James's phrase? which is moving you along a path of development. Now, some of you listening may be in a position where you can bring into your organisation some of the types of programmes that James describes. And if you can, go for it. It's a very exciting journey. For others, you may need to go outside of your organisation initially to find ways to challenge yourself on a personal level to self-reflect, to learn more about your own immunity map, your own potential, as well as the barriers perhaps that you put up to your own growth. I started meditating when I was 21, and that set me on a path of development which has taken me through many twists and turns. And those of you who know me well know that I just love personal growth. It's my passion. It's been my whole life really doing it myself and and helping others to do it. So it was such a pleasure today to, to listen to James hear about how it can be done at scale in an organization. I'm just fascinated to find out what's going to happen as a result of that. So you can listen to today at a personal level, or you can listen... it at an organizational level. Either way, I do think that all organizational transformation is rooted in the end in personal transformation. And so the exercise this week is very simple. Go and look for how you can find help, which will challenge you to grow and transform. Thank you so much for listening to this longer format. Do contact me on LinkedIn, let me know what you think, and we'll meet up again next time. Thank you.